was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face unwrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer, the one who promises a resurrection. May we find hope in that good news this morning. Amen. So it is on All Saints Day that we, as the church, turn our attention to those whom we have loved but see no more. And it is in this act of remembering that we become aware of our pain and of our grief and of our loss. All of these emotions are still present. And it is, I know this for sure, that grief can last a while. It can linger. It can bubble up. It can still surprise us. It's around us. And as we remember, especially on days like today, we know that in this remembering, we do it with a sense and a a vulnerability. Because remembering is indeed costly. Because as we remember, we are once again exposed to both pain and sadness that exist in our life. But remembering also encourages us to find love in the midst of our suffering, to recall well the stories, the joy, the impact. And it's a very human thing we are doing today, carrying both joy and grief, pain and love, death and hope. This dust-to-dust reality is a universal truth. We see it everywhere in the world. To live is ultimately to die. And this dust-to-dust reality is more present in our world as we become more and more connected 
we see war and we see famine and we see genocide where death is framed in shocking statistics and dominating headlines. And it's today's gospel reading, this wild and unimaginable story of Lazarus. This is the church's persistent counter-testimony. Jesus' raising of Lazarus reveals with clarity and certainty, with an unwavering steadfastness, that God refuses to allow death to have the final word. Christ, who declares himself to be both the resurrection and the life, freely enters into the suffering of the world, a world that God loves. This is revealed in today's reading. But the story of Lazarus also begins to disrupt for us some pretty well-held notions of God's nature. Jesus' emotions, his vulnerability, his own sadness and pain help us to reframe or at least begin to wonder, what is the true nature of God? For centuries, traditional Christian theology has befriended the Greek philosophical notion of apatheia, which is where we get the word apathy, right? It is without passion or without emotion. Emotions are consequences of being human, imperfect beings that are are unpredictable and prone to irrational decision-making. Because of our emotions, uh, we can, as being emotional beings, it impacts what we do and what we say and how we live. And for centuries, we have made claims that God has no emotions. Because if God is perfect, God is left unmoved by the circumstances of the created order. If God is the unmoved mover whose perfection then precludes God from experiencing real suffering and loss, then God is without emotion. I will say, before I offer a critique, uh, that I do believe this notion of God being so present and so unmoved by Uh, The suffering in the world can bring us a sense of deep peace, especially as someone who feels my emotions all the time. It is nice to know that there may be a God who is unwavering in the midst of my ever emotional, turbulent world. But I will also say, I I offer this critique, and this is probably for another sermon, I will say this notion that God feels no emotions— is unmoved by the suffering in the world, I think it gives rise to toxic masculinity in our world. And I also believe that it has created uh, deep uh, patriarchy within the church. Like I said, I'll leave that for another sermon. But I will say that today's text does invite us to see God as the one who is moved. Moved by the suffering. So moved by the suffering that God acts. So moved by the pain that God shows up in our humanity. God then is not distant. The story of Lazarus coming back to life. God is not distant. God is not absent. God is not indifferent. God is present. How do we know so? Because Jesus weeps. Jesus consoles. Jesus shows pain and grief. Jesus enters into the all-encompassing, dominating ways of death. Jesus is moved to action because his friend 
the one he loved is dead. Our text shows us a God who chooses to be our companion, our friend, in the midst of our suffering. The question is why? Why, if God has the ability to not enter into suffering, why does God choose suffering? For I know I would never choose suffering if there was a path forward that allowed me to circumnavigate the pain and the grief in this world. So the question is why? The answer is simple. Because God loves us. Because God loves us. And when we love with our whole self, when we love with all that we have, we can't help but suffer in the midst of death. It is our love for those who have died that makes all this seem so unbearable and at the same time so permanent. Death does seem to have the final say. And our gospel reading doesn't promise us a path in this life that avoids suffering, but it does show us a God who enters into this suffering, who experiences the same pain that we do, who smells the same smells, who sees the same lifeless body, who tears tell the same story. And, and God refuses to allow this experience, this experience of death, to have the last word. God's love unbinds us. God's love awakens us. God's love indeed resurrects us. And so as we remember those who we love, who no longer are with us, may we also find faith and hope in the promises of the gospel, that while we suffer in our present day, we do so next to a God who chooses to be present with us and who continues to make all things new, to unbind us from the dominating ways of death, and a God who promises us a resurrection, a victory over death that awaits those who have gone on before us, and it awaits each and every one of us. This is the good news of the gospel. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.